nothing to me, and now you want to have a conversation? I don't know. <laughs> you don't know if you want to have a conversation? <laughs> Checking on my attitude, you're like, yes. do I really want to have a conversation with this yeah. person right now? Well, this person who's going, <laughs> It's 6.48 a.m. Saturday, June the 29th, 2019. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's and Diane. We're getting close to episode 300. Oh my gosh. Yeah, boy, oh boy. Knocking on the door. <laughs> knocking on the door. Nobody's home. <laughs> Lights on, are up. Knocking on the door of knocking what? Knocking on the door of episode 300. I got myself a cup of coffee here and I'm going to take me a sip. Oh. There's nobody home. I don't think they want to see us. I think they're in there. Ah, ham and eggs. They just... They've been dreading this, and they're like, oh, God, they're here. Are all the lights off? Yeah, let's hide in the closet. Get right here. Stand behind the curtain. Just stay quiet. Just stay quiet. Anyway. Hectic week here in Lake Amphetamine. Goodness gracious, smack dab in the middle of it. What the heck's going on, Diane? What the heck? Tell us. Last weekend we had uh, my college friend Linda... Oh my gosh. Uppy time. We're already up though. Oh, right. Okay. No problem. My yeah. college friend Linda. Yeah. I mean, I shouldn't just identify her as my college friend. It's a friend that I met in college. Right. She's still your friend, right? And still yeah. am in delightful communication with. That was fun. We had a good time. We did have a good time. We, uh, I wanted Linda to have the experience of a little concert because she really wanted to see you in concert, but she had not been able to so far. So, um, so we invited Alice and Amelia over for dinner and had a dinner and a concert. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. And we got to, you know, experience the cross-generational, uh, effect of having the, the young people here too and, there is uh, definitely a cross-generational <laughs> effect yeah even though i can't say the word yeah. cross-generational effect effect and you know part of it is you know when they leave you realize you're exhausted <laughs> <laughs> but you're also delighted because yes. I mean, because i think the exhaustion comes from experiencing the delight of the energetic presences, you know, don't when, you think? Oh yeah, and I, 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 I remember. Do, I, could, I could do that once a week and just feel like you know, it's a good workout. It's I, wonderful. I remember when my, when I used to go visit my mom mm-hmm. after my dad had passed. Uh, I always had the feeling <sighs> that after three days, when I would leave, that she was. Quite relieved. You know, it was the, I knew that she really loved having me there, but I also had the feeling that it was time to go. Yeah. And now I understand why. Yeah. And as a younger person, I always felt like my energy went down when I was with, uh, with just my mom, Uh you know. Well, I'm sure that that's true for Alice and Amelia too. Oh, I'm sure too. That they tone it down when they're here. But I love having those guys here. It's so uh, enriching. So, and having Linda here too—that was it was nice. 
it was just a good combination. I mean, and you're the one who thought of it, and uh, I was like, yeah, it's, it's a good combination of people, and I would never have thought to put Linda together with Alice and Amelia and expect grooviness, but there it was. All over the place. And the next day had a, we spent had a lovely, with... Had a lovely dinner. Yeah. And, uh, and we had uh, Linda over the next day because she was flying out and her flight got delayed. So she got to accompany us to shopping trips and everything. Yeah. She is just such an easy guest to yeah. have. Yeah. And it was a delight to have her along with us on the ride, so to speak. It's true. And then we took her down to the university and dropped her at the light rail station there so she could catch the train down to the airport. Which was her preference. Yeah. Great. It was wonderful. And we learned where the light rail station really is. Yes. You've taken it, but you didn't really know where... Yeah, I didn't know that you could, like, drive right in there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's a a little temporary parking area where you can let people off. So that's nice. That's nice. It's interesting to see this happening, the changes happening in the geography of our area because the light rail... Uh, is continuing northward. Uh, they're working on completing the Northgate station, and then they're already uh, removing trees to make way for it coming up this way, which is a mixed blessing, I guess. I mean, I think they're removing houses, too. Sometimes I wish they could just remove buildings to make room and yeah. not have to and take out so many trees. Yes, for some reason, just... Feels like a massacre when we see when we drive by and see a bunch of trees taken down. It's always distressing to me. Suddenly, there's all this sky visible where before it was kind of everything was kind of shaded and sheltered. And um, but I guess you know the light rail track and, and the posts and the things when you know will be a different kind of shade and shelter at some point, and probably will be better for everybody and better for the planet and ultimately and that kind of stuff you know i always think about when we talk about global warming and things how you know we're killing the planet you know there's all this rhetoric going around we're not killing the planet you know we're like a rash on the planet's elbow you know <laughs> we're killing ourselves what we're doing is here sitting at the top of the food chain what do you do when you've got everything figured out well you destroy your habitat <laughs> yes destroy the very thing that keeps you well, that's that's Top of the food chain behavior in a nutshell right there, you know. Yeah, I guess if you poop where you sleep and you end up sleeping in poop. <laughs> right. Or something like that. Pardon me, I'm gonna have another drink of coffee. I could have used coarser language. You <laughs> boy. I could I could have good coffee. Anyway. So that was a good it was a good week. And uh I don't know. It's continuing. Today I'm going back to the recording studio and hopefully finishing. And I just don't know. I've got a couple of little adjustments to make. I've got a new song that I want to record real quick and hopefully get a good mix of that. We kind of got all the little all the little effects that we're putting on the guitar and all the little effects that we're putting on the vocal. We've got this package of things. So we just move those same things to the new song and then adjust from there. And, and uh, so hopefully it'll go well. I've got a couple of tweaks to a couple of other songs that I want to do. And then I'll bring home another set of mixes to listen to and 
for a while, and finally I'll be able to say, at some point I'll be able to say, yep, time to send it off for mastering and get on with this thing. But I'm pretty happy with what we're getting. Are you okay with it? What I think getting? it's wonderful. Yeah, it sounds, sounds good, pretty much like me. So That's the thing you want. That's, that is what I want, yeah. You know, I remember when I was younger, I wanted to sound like anybody but me. Yeah, it's better. So there you go. Hectic that's week. kind of that's kind of the the feeling most of us have, I think, when yeah. we're younger. We want to be anybody but ourselves. Or we want to be the... us amplified and and modified to a to a level that that doesn't sound as much like us. You know, you can start with me, but you know, put some you know, dress me different, please. So that I don't have to you know, sit with this guy for <laughs> Now, you know, you get to the point where you realize you're stuck with this guy, so you might as well just go with the guy. You don't have a celebration with the guy? Uh, I, I, I'm i moving in that direction, Diana, but Yay! don't rush me. Don't okay. rush me. I'm okay. young yet. I can't believe I've gotten all of this perspective, and I'm still so young. I'm only 62. So, anyway. Yeah. So what about you, Diane? Did you have a week? Did things happen? Did you? Things were there happened. events? Were there moments? Were there, you know... Well, it's a busy time. This is the busy oh, time right. at work. Yeah. So, um, that's true. But I just feel really good about it, and that's that's good. Yeah. But I, what I is on my mind right now is uh, from the song you just played me. So, um, so maybe we should talk about the music a little bit, and then I could talk about what's on my mind. Okay. Well, um, you know my friend Amy Reed, who is uh, somebody I've known for. 20, 25 years or so, and we were in the songwriting group together years ago, which we later started calling the Pudding Stone Songwriters Colony after I wrote that song, but it was just a songwriting group prior to that with uh, Heidi Muller and Janice Carper. And it was a golden time in my life because it was a time, I mean, I was still working for a living and stuff like that, and, and but I was more immersed in process and in comparative processes than I had been before. It was very educational for me to watch not only what these other three people came up with, but to kind of get into their process a little bit and see how our processes were different and how we went about doing what we do. And it was just because each one of them in their own way is really master craftsperson. And so it was just interesting to note how different the processes could be and yet you still come up with these with these songs and when I was in the group I always kind of felt like there were there were two camps in the group and that Janice and Heidi were in one camp and Amy and I were in the other camp and I couldn't really define at the time uh, what the differences were and I don't know that I can now but unending admiration for those people and we talked a lot about music we were listening to and I remember after uh, I went to the Kerrville Folk Festival, um, which was in 1999, uh, I just got, just got immersed in a lot of uh, players and writers that I had not been exposed to before. Tim Robinson is one who stands out and who I still listen to constantly. He's just an amazing songwriter. But Annie Gallup was another, and I remembered Annie from... Uh, Victory Music Days because she passed through. She, she spent some time living in this area, and I remember seeing her at the open mic and thought that 
she was interesting, but she seemed very, uh, very kind of shy and reserved and stuff like that. And she moved to New York after that and started putting out albums, and man, she just really blossomed. And I remember she had an album called Steady Steady Yes that was just blew my, my head off. Some of the songs on there were just amazing. And I'd gotten a message from Amy uh, yesterday saying, have you listened to Annie's most recent album? And it's called Lucy Remembers Her Father is the name of the album. And so I was listening to that this morning and thought, wow, yeah. She's just a completely different kind of writer. She's, all, she's kind of, for me, she's almost in the Laurie Anderson kind of, kind of an avant-garde kind of uh, collage type songs, but not really, but very lyrical too. So uh, we're going to play a couple of songs, including the title track, Lucy Remembers Her Father. And the one that I want to talk about is the one about money. All the money in the world? Yeah. Because it occurred to me that, um, that's why I was thinking when we were listening to it this morning, I was thinking about that you've written about money quite a bit and how I never really thought about it so much, but it's one of the big issues that we all deal with in life. Yeah. It isn't just um, love and, <laughs> you know, there's all these issues that we are presented with in life that you're uh, grappling with in a way. You know, love, the, art, death. Money. <laughs> yeah. And money just seems kind of like a, a strange thing to throw into the, the grand mix of things that you grapple with in life. But it is. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking at one point um, that you and I had talked about money from a, <clears throat> more from a family standpoint, which has a great deal. I really recommend it to people if they've never done it to talk about where your views on money come from and what kind of education you received as a, as a young yeah. person, but uh, not just how did you, how were you educated, but what sort of feelings encompassed your family and as far back as you can remember hearing about it. For example, in my family, um, my, my, on my father's side, um, my family was immigrant, uh, my grandparents were immigrants from Sweden, and on my mother's side, my grandmother, I would call her a refugee from Belgium, and having immigrant grandparents and parents that grew up in the Depression, uh, and the immigrant grandparents who also went through the Depression, the education that I received in money was uh, I have all sorts of things that my grandparents and my parents said that ring in my head. And, and, uh, and when you and I were talking, I was saying, you know, there's a piece about money that I think about the way people think about money that has a family shame. You know, whatever that family shame was about it, either not having enough or whatever it was. And in my case, I kind of felt like um, I just, there was a lot that had to do with this uh, 
betrayal that my family had from one of the one of my mother's brothers you know that was kind of the family shame is that the, the my uncle actually betrayed his his half brother and sister so that he could have more of the the pie at the end of uh, my grandparents life and so it's just an interesting thing to me that we we have our feelings about money whether we save it or spend it or whatever we do with it but it's uh it's based in a long history of your family yeah it's a big story it's like an epic story russian novel type story lots of characters you know introducing themes that that tend to invade the other characters lives to some degree and their responses to things are colored by those betrayals or you know senses of betrayal i know in my family my dad's uh, came from a couple of generations of merchants in southeast Idaho. The Davy Grain and Fuel Company was a family business that was started by my great-grandfather. And my grandfather spent his whole life working in his father's store and then taking over his father's store and continuing that business. And my dad was the one who broke away and wanted to be an artist so that became part of my, my dad's story, and I think there was a, because there was a certain amount of money involved that was passed down generationally, I think my dad had some really strong feelings about, about needing to prove himself uh, worthy of that inheritance on, on some level. And I'm not sure how successful ultimately he was with that, but I knew that it colored uh, the stories I heard and the, and the kind of I just remember there was an expression on my dad's face that I saw when he would talk about the family money. Uh, and I remember thinking even as a adolescent, I don't ever want to have that expression on my face. I don't ever want to wear that. I don't want to have that weight uh, on me. So, you know, those, those are the kinds of stories that, that color your attitude. And also it's, it becomes part of your education about what money is and what it means and you know when i always think for example just my my own feelings about how far i rose in the in the in the world you know as uh as a successful working person yeah as a successful working person was slightly guided by my or not slightly it was guided by my experiences when I was young and and because my father I think I reached the level of my father and I loved our family life because we didn't have the trappings that I felt were actually stifling some of the the people in my family who were much more wealthy than we were and certainly not people of great wealth but my uncle was a dentist and you know, he made more than my father ever made. And there was definitely this feeling of uh, social strata. Mm-hmm. And I I thought, oh, I much prefer my family in that grand scheme. I like this. I like this rather than that. I started associating, even though I don't think I did so consciously, but I associated being wealthy with... Uh, with a certain amount of social 
<laughs> snobbery. Well, social snobbery and and social ropes around you. You oh, know yeah. that that you are moving in a circle of people that are more judgmental. That's what I yeah, yeah. associate with it, right. and I think that 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 somewhat tempered how far I wanted to go, yeah. and. So that's why I say it's it's interesting that this song uh, just started that train of thoughts in my mind um, because it's very interesting in the way that it's written. and But it does make me think about the fact that money for all that we associate it with, we associate it with, you know, being filthy lucre or, you know, whatever the, the and then ideas. And we associate it with freedom, too. And we associate it with freedom. Yeah. And the want of it and the love of it and all that, it's just a fascinating topic when you really get into it in your own head. And that's why I think it's deserving of songs and stories in a lot of ways. But I also think that when I talk to you, because you, when we first got together and we'd talk about money, you'd always be a little resistant to the, the conversations. And I think when I talk to you about saying, you know, I'd really like to tell you the history of the way I think about money and why I think the way I do, yeah. it first of all freed me to actually examine it a little bit. Yeah. But I think it also changed the conversations that we had. Well, yeah, and about I think it. you learning more about my history of it and what my associations have been helped you to understand why I had this maybe this strange reaction to talking about it. Uh, because my my education and money or the all the associations I brought from my childhood about it were negative. Yeah. Uh, because of that, mostly because of that expression on my dad's face. And I saw that expression many times. And then, in the end, in my family, I always felt like it was um, the education I received is that it's an organizational tool. Uh, it's a tool for your life, and you be, have, must be organized about the way that you use that tool. Yeah. And so you think about it and plan it and, and work around this, this thing. And um, it's so fascinating because after we had the conversation ourselves, we had the conversation with Alice. And when we were first saying that we wanted to talk about money, she instantly was just like, oh, you know, yeah. no. And I said, no, no, no. <laughs> you want to talk Don't about think about it. it in terms of your father and what you, how he educated you about money. <laughs> no, but I was just saying we wanted to talk about the, the ways that our histories had, had educated us. And then she was fascinated. She, she got into that conversation. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. It's crazy. It's really interesting. Uh, I don't know. After we had had the conversation, I started noting, noticing this uh, thing that came up in my Facebook page for, I think it was called Pennywise or something like that, where they actually, it was a, a company that, was, uh, I think, doing financial advising. But they were actually interviewing people and asking about their opinions of money. And I thought that was so interesting because I just had this thought. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, these reinforcing <laughs> interviews were coming through. Yeah, yeah. Because it is fascinating to to think about your history. I, I advise you to do it. 
you know, just to, to think about why you think about the things that you do in about money. Yeah. It's anyway. an interesting topic. And then listen to this song and they'll yeah. give you uh, some fodder for thinking about these things. There you go. So music from an old friend that I don't really know very well, but whose music has been, has kind of hit me over the head in a very amazing way uh, at a couple of points in my life. And special thanks to Amy Reed for, for guiding me to this uh, most recent uh, album by Annie Gallup, which is called Lucy Remembers Her Father, and that song plus All the Money in the World. Free to count the trunks of gold on the San Miguel when I left Havana bound for Spain in 1715 and went down in a hurricane. It was never seen again. All that treasure rocking in the waves. Lullaby, sweet treasure in your dark enchanted grave. And don't forget the bag of money D.B. Cooper took the time he jumped out of a jet in a business suit and a parachute and no one's found it yet. Where did the money go? Somewhere. It went somewhere, maybe that's all we'll ever know. Hello, hello out there, you wayward twenties lost so many years ago. All the money in the world, all the money in the world, all the money in the world isn't gonna save me. And don't forget the roughly 60 grand that Michael Camp's dad had stashed in empty Swanson TV dinner boxes in his freezer when he passed, who knew? So Michael emptied out his father's fridge, tossed a fortune in the trash. It's smoldering in the landfill, even still. All that power like a sleeping tiger in a tinfoil cage. Sweet dreams. All the money in the world, all the money in the world, all the money in the world isn't gonna save me. Remember Tony Toledo's silver dollars? I have two of them, save someplace safe, but I couldn't tell you where. Remember all the pennies stuck in penny loafers all around the world like bright shining stars across the hemisphere. And don't forget to count that hard-earned cash. Five crisp hundred-dollar bills have vanished from my wallet on the avenue of the Americas while I walked to the Korean market. I was an easy target. Bright lights, jet lag, unzip bag. Hard-earned cash flies off to a life of crime, but oh, how good it felt when that money was mine. All the money in the world, all the money in the world, all the money in the world, isn't gonna save me. All the money in the world, all the money in the world, all the money in the world, isn't gonna save me. He would have had a hundred kids or a built-in audience. But mother had enough of him before I was even born. So I was the only one running out riding shotgun when he pulled up to pick me up laying on the Piano keys 
Dad's house is full of strangers Playing tune after tune My father knows the harmonies Everybody sings along When he laughs Dad's eyes are the crescent moon We were rich in dogs and cats Shade trees poor in existential angst and solitude, rich in mosquito bites, moths around the porch light, poor in pop culture TV news. When he planted this tree, it was just a twig, and so was I. Willow ear was his word. So he chose a willow tree And look now how it's grown so high All the years gone by Sheltering and waving Remember me We were rich in colored pencils And brown paper bags Pouring long distance calls we were rich in homegrown tomatoes and river rocks Poor in family feuds and excuses We were rich in books and strangers on the porch steps Poor in political influence We were rich in wood smoke, dust bunnies, mouse traps. Poor in pedigree and regret You would have raised a hundred kids He loved to have an audience But I was the only